This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Josh Ennick here for Mike Gill on an abbreviated edition of the Sports Bash today on 97.3 ESPN. As always, joined by Hunter Brody as... It's another day, and as the world turns in the COVID-19 environment, Broads, how you doing today? Oh, I'm hanging in there. You know, these the news is just coming at us in all different angles and all these different sports, so it's hard to get a grasp right now. Yeah, it really is. So for those who don't know all the details, we'll just give you guys a, a quick update. So as of right now, the Philadelphia Phillies, no players, no coaches tested positive, all right, for COVID. But despite that, the Marlins have had more positive tests. As a result, it looks like baseball is going to put the Marlins basically on hold to play any games until Monday. It's looking like the Phillies-Yankees series is going to go out the window, and the Yankees will actually play the Orioles. So the opponent for the Marlins and the opponent for the Phillies will play Wednesday and Thursday. As of right now, the Phillies-Blue Jays situation is kind of just up in the air. How's that, Broads? Well, I think, honestly, we've been talking about the MLB being proactive. We question if they should have played on Sunday and said that there's no way it should come down to a group text or a group chat or a group decision by the Marlins to play on Sunday. So if we're looking at the MLB and saying you did a poor job there, I think canceling this Yankees-Philly series and making the Yankees play the Orioles, which is the Marlins' next opponent, I think it makes a lot of sense. I'm very curious to find out what the end game for all of this is because of the fact that doesn't it feel like in, I'm not trying to be very basic, but doesn't it feel like in some ways that a lot of this could have been avoided if maybe certain things were handled better? Do you think you're talking about the Miami Marlins specifically or the league in general? The league in general. You know, I was telling you yesterday, I'm not a fan of this testing every other day or every couple days thing. I don't believe that that was what was recommended in the first place. And that was not maybe the best way to go. And maybe if there would have been daily testing and maybe if there would have been certain procedures in place, you, you could have avoided some of this fallout. Maybe, maybe not. I'm just saying it's, it's it's an interesting question to ask, in my opinion. No, I think that that's fair. I can look at the league and say you probably didn't handle this perfectly, no doubt. But I will look at the half, uh, the glass half full in this scenario. Because you're seeing the league step in and putting the Phillies and Marlins on pause right now, because this happened, can this now down the road, whether it's two weeks from now, three weeks from now, can this stop another outbreak from happening in the league if another squad two weeks from now sees two positive tests okay now that we saw this happen in miami what can we do now to make sure that this doesn't spread to 14 15 people using this as an example if you will well you would hope baseball will learn from by the way bob nightingale has confirmed the marlins report uh the marlins season has been officially paused with the team in quarantine with 19 positive results they likely will not be playing again at least the rest of this week, if possibly part of next week. Now, what does that mean for the people who are playing them? Do they get automatic wins? No. That so that I know for sure. Are technically postponed. 
technically, yes. I, I think what's going to happen is is that, like I said, the we know that the, it looks like the Yankees and Orioles would play each other the next two days. So that would take care of those two opponents for the Phillies and the Marlins. Then the other idea is, and I'm, I'm not saying this is confirmed yet, but what I'm saying is, is that the other idea is that somewhere along the way, the Phillies and the Marlins would make good as many games as possible. But because baseball has said that the final season results will not be based on games played, but on win percentage, that that could allow them to not have to make up every game for all these teams. I don't like the win percentage thing. I heard Joe Girardi, I believe it was on MLB Network this morning, talking about the win percentage thing. And, you know, if if it's the difference between 57 and 60 games, think about how crucial three games really are when it comes to making the playoffs or missing the playoffs. Now, this is a very fluky year. It's a very odd year. If you told me this one season – it might come down to that, then I get it. It's better than the alternative, which is no baseball at all. But what if one team can only get 45 games in? There's a huge difference between playing a full 60 and 45. Absolutely. Now, Ken Rosenthal, this is what he's reporting. So obviously a lot of this is kind of an ebb and flow right now. Uh, The current plan is the Phillies would play against the Blue Jays at Citizens Bank Park this Friday and this weekend. So the Phillies would be isolated until the Blue Jays series to try to see if anybody pops up with a positive in the next couple of days. And that hopefully the idea is by the time the Blue Jays series comes around, they would play then. Also, according to Rosenthal, the idea is that if the Phillies don't have any positive, if the Phillies don't have any positive tests until then, that they would be in a position to still play. But if they do any positives, then they would be put in the same situation as the Marlins. Huh. All right. I mean, look, I I think right now with the scenario that they are given, the league is doing the best that they can. What else can they possibly do than postponing the Marlins right now and then waiting to see the results of the Phillies? At this very moment in time, 2.06 on July 28th, after hearing all the news, what more can you do? It's not time to cancel the season, right, because all the other teams are doing okay. What more can you do than Postpone the Marlins and see what happens with the Phillies. Text board is open. 609-403-0973. Get on the conversation. We have the Phillies mailbag coming up with Frank Close coming up at 2.30. Obviously, there's a lot of questions about the Phillies on the field after what happened this past weekend. And now, with potentially four days off from actually playing any games, there's a possibility that we'll have more time to, uh, you know, shall I say, you know, grind our grind our teeth about the Phillies but we'll get into all that specifically on the field coming up with Frank at 230 plus Kevin Durso 97.3 ESPN Flyers insider will join the show at 315 because we have Flyers hockey today hockey doesn't have any positive tests Flyers Penguins exhibition today at 4 p.m. here on 97.3 ESPN so we got a lot to get into for the next couple hours. We're only here from 2 to 4, myself and Broads here on 97.3 ESPN. So join the conversation at 609-403-0973. Uh, another thing I wanted to point out, now you mentioned about you know, how baseball is going about this. I asked this question to Jeff Mosher. I'm going to reappropriate the question to you right now, Broads. Do you think that the NFL is watching baseball with a keen eye 
to see how they handle it so they can do their season better? I would think the answer is yes, absolutely. I think they have to be. They have to be looking at all of these leagues, right? Not just baseball, but look at what is effective with the NBA and NHL. And I think the obvious stands out, right? They're in their own different environment. But is it possible that they change their plans based off of seeing how successful that is compared to what's happening with the Miami Marlins? I think that it is honestly a little bit troublesome to see all of these NFL players opting out this morning. I do believe that that should be a big-time concern for the league. And that doesn't mean that they might not be able to get it done, but when you have all of these players going, I am uncomfortable with this, it's just going to continue to snowball down. You know, it's interesting you mentioned about the player opt-out. So for those who don't know, uh, there is one Eagle so far who has opted out, and that's Marquise Goodwin. Uh, for those who don't know this full story, you know him and his wife were trying to have a baby for a long time. They had a long history of medical issues and miscarriages and everything. They finally have have a healthy little girl, and you got to figure that for Goodwin, you know he's trying to keep his family and his daughter and his wife safe uh, as much as possible. So you totally understand that. But everyone's situation is different, Hunter, and I think that that's where the key is. And that is, I can't speak to everyone's situation, but it is interesting how it feels like. There's way more NFL players opting out already at the beginning than there were baseball players. And you have to wonder how much of that is because people are watching what's going on with baseball and saying, if there's no bubble, I don't know if I feel safe. I think that's exactly what they're doing, right? I mean, what else are they basing it off of? They're seeing this go down and they feel like it's going to be a problem. And I also brought this up to Mosher yesterday on Football at Four. When you look at the nature of the sports, the fact that this is happening in baseball where you can essentially social distance for 99% of the game, it's only going to be that much worse in a game like football where you're making contact all the time and you're tackling each other and you're in the trenches and things like that. I mean, it's going to be intensified by a lot just based off the nature of the sport. So I do think that they are looking at baseball questioning how is this sport going to work i don't feel comfortable doing it i would say that the bigger thing that stands out to me and maybe i'm i'm just maybe this is just me thinking out loud when i say this but i feel like one of the problems for these sports right now is something that you and i talked about before the show which is because there's no consistency in how this disease is spread positives versus negatives you know the whole situation Juan Soto he tests positive then he tests negative then positive then negative or the situation that happened with Austin Matthews right him and Anderson the goaltender were working out together Matthews gets it Anderson doesn't the Utah Jazz 60 people get tested the day of the shutdown two positive everybody else is in the clear so at some point, we don't actually fully know how this thing is getting spread and why people are testing positive or negative. But what we do know is that because of the inconsistency, that makes people nervous. And it should, though. No, I mean, it should. It, it is wild. It, it doesn't add up because you do see all these scenarios where you got Austin Matthews working out with his goalie, Frederick Anderson. Matthews has it. Anderson doesn't. And then you see a Miami Marlins outbreak like this. So it's so up in the air. Nobody knows how it's spreading. So it's just so hard to 
completely comprehend the best way to handle these situations. So I think it's fair to be so concerned about what this means for your health. And who was it on the Boston Red Sox? Was it Rodriguez who said that he had it and now he's having heart problems because of having COVID-19? Yeah, there are a couple of players who are having side effects even after, quote-unquote, recovering. You know, we 27 know- years old, by the way, for the people out there who, you know, think that it only happens to the old people. Uh, he's diagnosed with a heart issue after COVID-19. Yeah, and look, it's this is this doesn't mean that everybody should run for the hills and, you know, not live their lives, quote-unquote, you know, just because one person or a couple of people have had serious health ramifications. Not one person, it's multiple people have had some legitimate serious ramifications after the fact. But it's like anything. This is one of those situations where we're still learning about this. And I think that as more information comes out about you know, how the disease is spread, about the testing, how sports are handling it, I just, Hunter, don't think it's a coincidence that the bubble environments are fine and the non-bubble environment, Major League Baseball, is not fine. And I think that speaks to the fact that if you really want to shield everybody from outside influence there's a way to do it but baseball and their players weren't interested in doing it and I think the NFL needs to take a hard consideration that maybe they need to have some sort of bubble environment because of the fact that you can't protect from every scenario if you're just saying hey guys good luck when you go home I do feel like that's in play I really do I do think the NFL is looking at this and saying we might have to do some sort of bubble environment because it is clearly way more effective. But you do know that the NFL, it's a totally different beast. Think about the coaching, the training staff, all the players. It is literally multiplied by so many more people when it comes to fitting all of these players into a bubble. And then what type of fields are they using? Now, I think that it doesn't matter if it's an NFL stadium, a college stadium. It doesn't need to even be that. It could be just a random football field outside where there's multiple football fields and they just upgrade it to an NFL type. Like it doesn't have to be in a big stadium is my point. I know it's going to be tough to find just random local township parks and say, Oh, that'll work for an NFL game. Of course it won't be like that, but I do think they need to open up their mind when it comes to trying anything at this point that would make a bubble environment work. Well, Jeff Mosher mentioned it yesterday on football at four uh, here on 97.3 ESPN about, you know, they could use the old AAF stadiums, the XFL stadiums. You know, some of those MLS stadiums can be converted into football fields. You know, you have some regulation size fields, but they're like, you know, D, you know, you know like FCS schools, you know, not FBS, like major college football. You know, there's a lot of, uh, what are they called? The, uh, the conferences. A lot of these football conferences are canceling fall sports. So what does that mean? The field's open, Hunter. Exactly. I mean, I don't think that it's in it. I'm, all I'm saying is, you know, they should have an open mind for anything right now. Anything when it comes to getting all these people in one spot. And maybe they could do it where what baseball wanted to do in the beginning, if you remember, was have multiple spots, sort of like what the NHL is doing. It doesn't need to be all of the NFL in one area, but maybe you break it up and have three hub cities. And from there, you can utilize that. I mean, that's probably more realistic. They're going to have to find a way to do that because if they keep it the way that they're going to right now, that it seems where they're going to just play in their home stadiums, I think it's a recipe for disaster. 
Text board is open, 609-403-0973. I wanted to read this tweet. This is from uh, Barry Jackson, who works for the Miami Herald. He's uh, one of their sports writers. He says, Marlins are staying in Philadelphia tonight as they await word on when their season will resume. Because they won't play today, Wednesday, Thursday, and possibly the weekend, according to Barry Jackson. He says, the Marlins are not sure when they're returning to South Florida. Those who test positive, though, must remain in quarantine in Philadelphia. So there is apparently an option for the rest of the roster, if they're all cleared in the next few days, to leave and go on with the season, potentially. Whereas the rest of the guys who are quarantined, they're stuck till further notice. I think that's what they have to do there, right? Because you can't be moving around when you're tested positive. Once you test positive, you got to find a way to quarantine. So, unfortunately, if you do, you got to stay there until you pass or you you test negative twice in a row. And you're seeing Juan Soto struggle with the whole two in a row concept right now. That story is just bonkers. Yeah, and I think it gets back to why the protocols are what they are. Because of the issue of false positives, because you can get different results from different types of tests. You know, we mentioned in previous days, you know, you have the saliva test, you have the one that goes deep up your nose, you have the one that's the cursory swipe around the nostril, and of course you have the antibody test, which is the blood. Now, from what I understand, I don't think they're taking everybody's blood every time, so I think these are the saliva and the nose tests we're talking about specifically. Take, yeah, that'd be a lot of blood to give, honestly. <laughs> I just had a visual made of like vats of blood at like you know like uh, the blood donation center, and like yeah. all these players going in and out, being like, "All right, let's do this again." Now, have you had the test up the nose or anything yet? No, but I know I've spoken to people who have had that test, and they've told me that the deep nose one is probably one of the most uncomfortable things they've ever experienced. And I had one person compare it to a colonoscopy. Oh, yeah, I've heard that it was brutal. I've never experienced it, but I have heard that it is not fun at all. And then you think about when you see Matisse Thibault's vlogs that he's putting on YouTube of him sitting in front of his hotel door. They open the door, they put it up his nose or whatever. They go through that all the time consistently. So I can't even imagine you know, doing that all the time for how uncomfortable people claim it is. Well, the good news is that once you've cleared the quarantine in the NBA bubble, and they did the same thing with the UFC on Fight Island, you don't have to do the deep nose anymore. You can just do, like, the swipe around, like, you know, the, just the, just barely the, inside the, the nose. Yeah. You don't get the deep nose intrusion anymore, which is a good thing, because the, the, the UFC and the NBA and the NHL – their, their basic setup, for those who don't know, is they say, we want to give you the same test every time so that we get the same baseline to reference off of. I understand part of the reason why they want to do multiple types of tests because they want to verify tests. But as you mentioned with Juan Soto, if he's getting positive, negative, positive, negative, then it's hard to know which is the false. Is it the positive or is it the negative? Absolutely. You got to stay consistent. You have to stay consistent. But I can only imagine how frustrated he is, right? He gets positive on opening day. You're bummed out. You think you're going to be quarantined forever. Then you get a negative the next time you take it. And you think, oh, hold on a second. Maybe I can get back. And now it's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And 
you know, what if this happens? Let's relate this to the NFL. Let's relate it to the Eagles. What if this scenario happens to someone like Carson Wentz or any starting quarterback in the league, and now you're out because you can't get the right read on these tests? Well, what about the latest report that there was a report yesterday that, you know, teams are considering quarantining the quarterbacks away from the rest of the team. How can you efficiently get things done if that's the case? Well, when they leave the facility, they're separated from the rest of the team kind of thing. I mean, if that's what it takes to get NFL football back, then sure, I can get behind it. But it just seems crazy that your leader of the team essentially can't even be near the team. That's like saying Doug Peterson's not allowed to be near the team. Well, that's the guy who runs the show, you know? Yeah, well, the teams are trying to establish bubbles in their own facilities, right? Away from with all the testing and everything that's going on. You, know, you got to have two negative tests in a row, 24 hours separated in order to enter the building and work out, right? And I understand that theory and I understand that working relationship. But I feel like the NFL is at least attempting to do what baseball isn't. The interesting thing is that with all the people who are opting out today, like six different Patriots, Marquise Goodwin with the Eagles, and others, it definitely seems like there is a group of players who maybe they're part of the contingent that voted no to the NFL's proposal. Remember over the weekend it was, hey, the players voted yes. Well, not everybody voted yes, Hunter. So maybe some of these guys who are opting out are among the people who didn't vote yes, like David Price with baseball. Remember, he said, I'm not going in. Well, he was one of the guys who voted no on the baseball proposal. So I'm wondering now if some of the opt-outs for these sports are people who didn't like the plan in the first place. That's very possible, no doubt about it. I just think at this point, you know, I felt good. I felt confident about sports returning. And in reality, the two that are doing it in a totally different way seem to be effective to this point when it comes to all of these players and facility guys and coaches testing negative which is what you need those two seem to be doing fine but I did feel optimistic about baseball once things got going and this is totally just spiraled in a way where it's so hard to comprehend you know it's just so hard I can't believe every morning I wake up now and it's let me check Twitter let me put on the TV let me see what's going on and it's more positive more positive more positive and I just want to get back to where we can watch sports and not have to worry about it Text board is open 609-403-0973. Again, on the conversation, Josh and Gunnar Brody here on 97.3 ESPN. Uh, by the way, Billy Schwein, who uh, finds it's very important to text us while we're in the middle of the show, he says... I think my, it's a good text, Josh. Oh, it's a good text, but I I got some problems with this. this Because remember, you're only getting the group text. I'm getting the other texts oh. as well. Um, now... The text he sent you and I is a good text, okay? Billy Schwein, locker room, Saturdays and Sundays, 10 a.m. to noon here on 97.3 ESPN. His wife works in the medical field. And he said, my wife has had the test eight times. It's nowhere near a colonoscopy. Now, that's Billy's recounting of information to us. I would like to know more information from an actual medical person whose opinion that is. Because when I spoke to John Morgan, who has been through all these tests, he covers MMA for USA Today. When I have heard other athletes talk about the test in interviews, 
they all describe it as the most uncomfortable thing they've ever gone through. So when I hear somebody else, one isolated person who is not a famous person, say that it, it was uncomfortable, similar to a colonoscopy, I don't feel like there's a huge jump from most uncomfortable and most disturbing thing I've ever done to colonoscopy. So just because Billy's wife, who is a person in the medical field, says it's not like that, we're not literally saying it is that. We're just saying that some people have described it as extremely unpleasant at an extremely high level. Absolutely. You're using that as the example of how uncomfortable it could be. You're not claiming that it is the same exact as that. Right. I don't think anyone would say that having a long Q-tick suck up your nose is the exact same thing as a colonoscopy. I, I don't think that's what Well, some we... might. I mean, look, we're not here to judge. There might I'm be not, some that's, people that's out there That's true. Yeah, listen, you know, maybe there is somebody who feels that way, and I can't speak to their experience. But, Billy, we do appreciate you chiming in, even though you're texting us in the middle of the show. We do appreciate you joining the conversation. Absolutely. We, we love when anybody chimes in during our show, which our text board just seems to keep being flooded every time we're on. He's Hunter Brody. I'm Josh Jennings here on the conversation here on 97.3 ESPN. Uh, again, some of the news updates. So far, zero Phillies, coaches and players have tested positive. Meanwhile, in the NFL, Marquis Goodwin opts out of the Eagles season. Obviously, he has some family concerns that go along with that. Coming up on the other side, Frank Close. We'll get into the Phillies mailbag with him. Ask him about his perspective as well on this whole situation. It looks like the Phillies and Yankees is a no-go. And the next time you can see Phillies baseball would be Friday at Citizens Bank Park versus the Toronto slash Buffalo Blue Jays. Sports Bash being brought to you by the Delaware Valley Acura dealers this month. Visit your local dealer for great deals on the award-winning Acura lineup. Hey, Broads. What's up? We do have a texter who says, I, I wish that my job had an opt-out clause. That is a pretty nice luxury the players have negotiated for themselves, is it not? Oh, of course, but I'd rather have no opt-out clause and things be normal. Well, I think everybody would rather have that. I don't know, man. There's some people out there. Well, I can't speak for some weirdos. I can only speak for you and me and the people that you know I read and I observe and I hear from. Do you want an opt-out here at 97.3? Nah. I'm I'm very happy and fortunate to be here talking with you on the radio, in my opinion. Great answer. It's my honest answer, but I appreciate that you liking my answer. How about that? I can get behind it. <laughs> we'll talk with uh, 97.3 ESPN.com. Phillies insider Frank Close next here on 97.3 ESPN. And then Kevin Durso, our Flyers insider at 315. Josh Hennig filling in for Mike Gill here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN, along with Hunter Brody, as always. We'll get back to text messages in just a bit at 609-403-0973. But right now, we still got the Phillies mailbag today on a Tuesday. We moved Frank up a little bit because of Flyer talk coming up at 4 o'clock. Flyers-Penguins exhibition right here on 97.3 ESPN. Check out Frank Close's full mailbag every Tuesday over at 97.3 ESPN.com and today he joins us as always 
on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Frank, how's it going? It's going. What a crazy day. It's definitely been crazy. I think that's we, we need to start with the craziness, which is it looks like as of this moment, basically we will not see the Phillies play another game at least until Friday and that the Marlins will not play another game until at least early next week as things are currently situated. Yeah, the Marlins basically just have to pause. I mean, the the COVID infection seems to have ravaged the entire entire coaching staff and 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 uh active roster. They they just simply can't play. And I think the Phillies it's mostly they're being extra cautious. Uh, there was a report that somebody who worked in the visiting clubhouse, a Phillies employee did test positive. So that's presumably from the Marlins visit. So I think they want to be extra, extra careful. Um, and so the Phillies are just not going to travel to New York. And hopefully uh, the infections on the Philly side of things are minimal. But, but certainly this, this really shows how, um, if it gets out of control on one team, how it affects the others. Do you think that this is the best way for the MLB to handle this situation? I mean, I don't know what else they can do. It's not time to cancel the season yet. So I think for right now, hey, you put the Marlins on pause, you figure out what's going on with the Phillies when it comes to the testing, because although no one tested positive, you don't know how long it can, how long it takes to pop up. So is this the best way the MLB can handle this situation? Well, I think this is the first situation. They have to see if they can battle through this or not. I mean, I would not recommend canceling the season at this point, but you really need to see what you can do and how it works. I think and, and we talked about this on the podcast. Uh, please tune in, everybody. It'll be at B73ESPN.com. Uh, but um, they should not have played on Sunday. Uh, Joe Girardi was on a national radio show for MLB Network today. He said, you know, in retrospect, we shouldn't have played. And I think that this, this we're going to text each other and decide if we want to play or not. That can't happen. Once you have the positive case on a major league roster, the team has to stop. And because... The science is showing it might take a few days to pop up in some players, and we saw with the Marlins, you thought, oh, well, four by Sunday, you can work around that. Then everybody else showed up to play, and next thing you know, the number's up to 19. So I, I think there's a real lesson here that the, the first sign of a positive test, you, you, the team has to stop at least for a few days and test and test and test again. And, and then after all that, if there's still no sign of infection, then you can resume. Rob Manfred said on MLB Network in that very stale interview yesterday that this is not a nightmare scenario for baseball and that baseball can keep going despite one team having all these positive tests. Is that the right answer, though, Frank? Is the right answer that baseball can keep going despite one team now having 19 positives? Uh, quite honestly, I think he says that because it's the Marlins. I mean, this is not one of the major city uh, mega bucks franchises like the New York Yankees or the Boston Red Sox. I think that they would approach this much differently if the, if this was in a cash cow kind of city because the Marlins can go on pause and let's face it, who actually cares? <laughs> not, not Miami history will tell you. And uh, the rest of the teams are still playing. So, uh, I, I think I think they're willing to overlook overlook this because it is the Marlins and they can pause them and the Marlins were expected to contend anyway and then regroup and move on from there. But 
Um, I, I think if this happens again and it happens in a major city, he's going to have to react much, much differently. How do you think this impacts the rotation if the Phillies don't play their first game back until Friday? Uh, I think you got to go Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. And then uh, beyond that, I would go Jake Arrieta. But uh, I think, you, you know, whenever you have the gap like this, you just want to have your best players out there whenever they get to play because, you know, what, what, what's the advantage to say, well, we'll just, we'll just wait on Aaron Nola until a couple more days. And then those days might not even get played. So I think if anything, this underscores a certain sense of urgency to win. And and if the players aren't on short rest, then always go for your your Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler, and ride this thing out. Does that mean we could see Spencer Howard on Monday? Uh, possibly. I, you know, I, they have some interesting decisions. I, I do not believe Vince Velasquez is going to start again, especially under these circumstances. Uh, I think you'll see Spencer Howard soon. Where they're going to slot him in, I think that might depend upon matchups. And, and let's face it, right now the entire schedule is, is really starting to get out of whack with these cancellations. You know, the Yankees were supposed to play the Phillies, but they might go play the Orioles, who were the Marlins' opponent, just so that, that fewer teams are affected. So um, so I think they'll look at the matchups. I think, you'll, I think they'll go Nola and Wheeler right off the bat. And beyond that, they might try some, some matchups here to see, to see the, best, the best scenario to get him going. I think that's a perfect transition into the mailbag that we have on 97.3 ESPN. And Paul asks you, Frank, who can the Phillies count on in their bullpen? If the starter only goes five, who will Gir- who will Joe Girardi lean on in the high leverage spots in the middle innings? Yeah, this one's a really tough one to answer. Now, we all know that, that there's like A days. It's like, it's like the last couple of years. There's A days for the bullpen and B days. You know, when you have the lead and you're trying to protect a few-run lead, you know you're going to have Neris at the end. You know you're going to have Tommy Hunter before him, and from the from the right side, and then from the left side, you have your Jose Alvarez and, and, and Adam Morgan. In between, it's really not clear cut. You know the Phillies have a bunch of guys that have been with other teams in the past: Trevor Kelly, Reggie McLean, Dale Guerra. and you know so far uh, we haven't seen one of them step up in any type of big way, and then. You know, we have uh, Austin Davis and Cole Irvin, you know, the two lefties hanging around, and, and they haven't inspired a, a ton of confidence given their um, brief major league careers at this point. And, and really, Ramon Rosso, who we saw was the, the rookie, and I think Joe Girardi on opening day just said, look, I, I don't really have that guy in the middle inning, so I'm going to see if this guy with a lively arm can get me through an inning. So I think what the answer to this is you're, you're, when Spencer Howard joins this rotation – and Vince Velasquez and Nick Pavetta go into the bullpen. The Phillies really need to be, um, really need to develop the two of them to be relievers that can fill that role. And I think that in order for that to happen, they certainly have to embrace the role and run with it. But um, it's probably going to come down to that eventually when things settle in. Velasquez, Pavetta, the roster of 30 will soon be the roster of 26. And if it's going to work, it's got to be those two guys. On the mailbag, John asks you, Frank, how much could a lost season or even just a 60-game season hurt the Phillies' chances of re-signing JT Romuto and bringing back Didi Gregorius? Well, I think it's pretty interesting. People are now already on the, the re-sign Didi train after a few games. Uh, certainly he showed a lot in the first series. Uh, but, you know, when you look at, at the two types of players that they are, Didi was somebody that, that kind of needed a year to re to prove himself again, um, and he's got the um, 
certainly got the track record for, for many years, but there's there's enough doubt that he probably needs to play this entire 60 before teams really know what he is and what to offer him. Now, um, when we talked to Didi back in uh, December when he was induced, um, he actually said, no, nobody offered me a multi-year deal. So he's really got to show perhaps more than Real Muto what he can do right now. I think with Real Muto, you know what he is. Uh, you know what he's going to be, at least in the immediate future. And as such, I think that, you know, that that's the one that's a little bit more certain. Uh, Didi, you almost need to wait out because you also have Alec Bohm in the equation. You know, is he going to establish himself as a starter? In which case, do you need to bring back Didi Gregorius? So, uh, so there's a lot that needs to play out on the Didi side. JT, it'll probably go back to being about dollars and cents like we thought it would. And if the Phillies open up their, their uh, piggy bank and give JT a lot of money, he'll be back. And I think that, that that's something which uh, there's no need to, to prove anything. So it'll just be a matter of whether or not they can agree on the, the dollars. Josh wants to know what type of team are the Phillies at the deadline? Are they going to be buyers or sellers? And then he says, you know, is it going to be just like last year where they get a serviceable arm, sort of like a Drew Smiley? Because he believes they need to improve the bullpen, which I think we all understand needs to happen at this point. And I'll just throw something in there as well. Fulty was DFA'd by the Braves. Is he a name to look out for for just a chance, a shot in the dark type guy? That was really surprising to me. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I think personally, and I said this, I believe, on our podcast last week. I his velocity is down. I gotta wonder if something is wrong. Um, he 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 and Nick Pavetta kind of came up at the same time, and I remember he, like a, for a while they they faced each other like three times in their rookie seasons. Um, and, he, and you know he's got he's got a really lively arm when it works, but I think because the velocity is down, some, something's up. So, um, so yeah, he's worth a shot to see if, if he fits on your roster. Uh, that could be the issue, and, and if you're willing to be patient. I, and if they do pick him up, I don't think he is an immediate uh, solution for anybody. That's just my personal opinion, just having watched him this year with the dipped velocity. But beyond that, uh, I don't think there's going to be a lot available this year because you have eight playoff teams in each division. And if you look at last year's final standings, that meant that the Texas Rangers, who were six games under 500, would have made the playoffs. So if a team that's six games under 500 could make the playoffs, there's going to be a lot more teams that, that were going to be holding on to their players thinking they have a shot. And those types of teams aren't going to trade them, <laughs> aren't going to trade their players. So there's going to be a very low quantity of players available. And a lot of teams, let's face it, we're seeing what's going on with the Marlins, are, are going to need to make sure they have bodies on the roster. That's going to be a big, big, uh, important uh, takeaway from all this, that you need to have people that can come in and, and fill spots, and especially if you might lose somebody for a few days or you lose multiple players for a few days. I, I think that this, this year's trade deadline will be pretty inactive. So I, th- I think what's, what's going to happen this season is the people in your organization are going to make you or break you. So how Spencer Howard does when he comes up and how Velasquez and Pavetta do in the bullpen might be what the defining factors are. Follow him on Twitter at Frank Close for all your Phillies news and information and check out all of his coverage over at 97.3 ESPN.com as the Phillies situation on and off the field is, well, frankly, it's fluid. I got that right. (laughs) Have a good one, Frank. You too, guys.
Along with Hunter Birdie, I'm Josh Hennick here on 97.3 ESPN. Text board is open, 609-403-0973. Sports Bash being brought to you by Dorothy Gale Roofing. There's no place like your home. And if you have a leak or you need a new roof, call Dorothy Gale Roofing at 877-97-KEVIN or visit them online at DorothyGale.com. More Sports Bash coming up. Your mind are coming up 30 minutes from now. Kevin Durso, our Flyers insider, to preview Flyers, Pens, Exhibition tonight on 97.3 ESPN, along with the 97.3 ESPN mobile app. South Jersey's radio home for... Josh Hennig filling in for Mike Gill here on the Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN, along with Hunter Birdie. You can follow him on Twitter at Broads81. I'm at Josh Hennig, Hennig spelled H-E-N-N-I-G. Speaking of Twitter, we got some uh, new news popping off there. We do. Jim Salisbury of NBC Sports Philadelphia, he asked a pretty interesting question. Are the Phillies pitchers allowed in the ballpark to throw during this downtime? And if not, injury factor becomes real. Hitters need to hit every day to stay sharp. Health and jobs riding on this. So it's just an interesting a way to look at it. I mean, these pitchers, and, and that's why when I asked Frank about, uh, you know, the rotation, if they don't play until Friday, it's a serious thing to think about in terms of baseball serious. We can, we all understand the health part of this is very serious, but from a baseball part of this, you know, the injury factor, you have so many days off. How do you look at this starting rotation now after five days off? And then you're getting thrown into the fire again on Friday. And this is my biggest concern, you know, and it's I'm not dismissing the COVID-19 issues because I like I'm not dismissing it. OK, it's it's out there. It's an issue. But I'm more concerned about the fact of how all this impact guys. Health. We just talked yesterday about look what's going on with Verlander and Kluber. Right. I mean, these are two, you know, prime pitchers who maybe some of the situations is offseason. They weren't fully ready to come back because. Listen, a pitcher's arm is a delicate thing. And, you know, these guys are not able to go out there and, you know, get some warm-ups in and get some throwing in. you got to be concerned about if these guys are really going to be 100% ready to go on Friday. Couldn't agree more. And I'm pretty sure, I'm trying to look for who it was. There was somebody else this morning who got hurt, a starting pitcher who got hurt. And I was thinking, here we go again, right? I mean, here's another pitcher. Now, I'm trying to look through some of these reporters to see who exactly it was i could have sworn i saw another one this morning well while you uh, do that for it. while you do that i'm gonna i'm gonna bring you up so uh, matt gelb uh tweeted that he covers the uh the philadelphia phillies for the athletic he says so if this rearranged major league baseball schedule goes as planned the marlins next game will be a week from today It'll be next tuesday in miami against the phillies Ooh. in miami scares me more against against the Marlins. I mean, I we can all make the jokes that the Marlins own the Philadelphia Phillies all we want, but I'm worried about the the Phillies going into Miami without everything's going on there. If you're the Phillies, do you actually want to go to Miami? We just saw the Nationals vote against going down to Miami to play the Marlins. If you're the Phillies, could you maybe do the same thing? Maybe. Is it possible they come back up to Citizens Bank Park since it doesn't really matter where you're playing the games when it comes to the fans? Should they maybe just stay in Philadelphia? 
Oh, that's right, because they're already here quarantining, if you will. So is there even a reason to leave? Well, I think when it comes to them getting back to their families, there'll be some players with the Marlins who pet, who who test negative. So maybe they're allowed to go back to their families. I don't know. I mean, that's a great question to ask. I'm This whole thing is going to be fascinating, how it plays out. But, hey, listen. I'm I'm with you. I'm concerned about these pitchers and their arms because, look, we. How much do we have to hear about how great Velasquez looks? He bombs, and now you have a Phillies team that if they're not out there throwing, as Salisbury says, you know this could lead the guys getting. Usually, pitchers are throwing on their off days to just you know keep keep the arm moving, keep it going. I would think that these guys, even if they're not allowed to be at the ballpark, they find a way. I mean, Aaron Nola knows he's going to be pitching relatively soon. It's hard for me to believe that Aaron Nola is just going to sit on the couch for the next five days. You know, like I feel as if these players who know they're going to be throwing soon, not even if they know, if they don't know, just to keep themselves prepared, they're going to find a way to get themselves throwing regardless because Aaron Nola wouldn't put himself in danger when it comes to the physical injury that can happen by sitting on the couch and not throwing for the next couple days? Well, you certainly would hope not. I think he's smart enough. I do. I think they all are. I mean, they've been around the league for a long period of time. They've been around the game for a long period of time. They know. They understand they got to have their arms moving. Hey, it may not come down to the player. It may come down to these regulations and all these restrictions. Well, that's where I say they do it on their own time if they can't go to Citizens Bank Park.